Hi, this is Andrew Miller from Business Enjoyment and this is another episode of The Tingle Zone. This week I'm speaking with Gary Ainley from Expert Collections. As furlough payments reduce and businesses start trying to get back up and running again, we're going to find that cash flow gets tighter and tighter uh, over the months to come, which means that uh, getting in our debts becomes more and more important. There's been changes in regulation making it harder to actually enforce some of the debts that we've uh, incurred. And so it's really important that we know what our rights are, know what we can chase, and also understand what sort of systems and process we should put in place to make sure we maximise our recovery for the work we've done. Furthermore, Gary's one of the few people I actually know who has caught the coronavirus, actually been in hospital and on a ventilator. So that's something else we pick up on and find out his story in that area. Before we get our discussion underway, I'd like to remind you of the business and personal support groups that I run called Breathing Spaces. These are confidential group sessions which meet monthly and explore the finer points of the business enjoyment model. Ultimately, I'm building a community of business owners who share my belief that there is more to success than just how much money you earn and want to help each other understand themselves and their businesses better. They're only £20 a month and costs nothing to attend your first one. There is also an open free version which runs every Monday morning at 9.30am, that's UK time. And that's been set up to respond to the pandemic and consequential uh, financial crisis. Uh, they've been dubbed Strive Sessions, a combination of Survive and Thrive, and they'll be running for as long as the need is there. To find out more, just go to my website, uh, businessenjoyment.com forward slash events. Um, a pop-up will appear, giving you the opportunity to get a free download of my webinar, how to survive the financial crisis with the guy that wrote the book on it. And behind that, all the meetings are listed and you can click on each one to be taken to the relevant Eventbrite page to reserve your space. So do check that out, but for now, sit back, relax, put your baseball bat down, and most of all, enjoy. Uh, hi everyone, I'm Gary Ainley and I'm from a company called Expert Collections. We're a commercial debt recovery company that help as many businesses as we can with uh, zero cost debt recovery, which in this industry is quite surprising because a lot of competitors can charge 10 or 20%. So we like to think that we can help as many people as we can by offering the zero cost element by utilizing government legislation. So again, in the current climate, as we're going to talk about, it's a big, a big benefit if you can get your money back without it costing you anything. Yeah, so is that is that essentially the, uh, the 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 credit of the person that owes the money is 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 paying your bill effectively? Is that the... yeah, effectively? You know, if you know the, the debtor company that we're asked to chase, they're the ones that pay the bill and the late payment charges, which is set by the government legislation, which obviously is a compensation fee, and then interest, which is eight uh, percent of our base. So it's quite a situation where some people are not happy about it however this is applicable to all companies but they need to then make sure that they can deal with it correctly and monitor it correctly going forward so that any calculations are not incorrect so a lot of people also well my terms are eight percent a day or eight percent a month well sadly it's eight percent per annum set by the court and in the legislation it's eight percent above base so you know people will be well i can claim you know 250 quid on 50 pound outstanding it's not going to stand up in court i'm afraid because <laughs> district judges bless them are going to say well i think that's an unreasonable contract term but you are allowed your eight percent but that's how we basically deal with it utilizing the the legislation and the compensation fee yeah. 
So how, how did you get into this? Because it's not the sort of thing you go to school and go, do you know what I want to do when I grow up? <laughs> <laughs> well, five years ago when I was 21. Oh, hang on. Oh, <laughs> a, bit, a bit longer than that. Uh, probably, well, I've been in the industry now over 30 years. I sort of started in sort of a credit control type background. Um, went on to work for um, initially Graham Builders Merchants in Huddersfield, which oh, yeah. obviously... Uh, I know the office where I used to work is now I think a car showroom. So again, sign of the times that it was there and not there. And then sort of moved on to uh, Dunham Bradstreet, who were sort of my real main first intro, shall we say, into sort of hard-nosed debt recovery on behalf of clients. I enjoyed that kind of um, environment because you were working on behalf of clients. And obviously, if you can get their money in, we treat it as our money and obviously in the olden days sort of back end of the 80s early 90s it was you know commission you know was quite high but again people were paying it because before the crash came early sort of you know early 90s 91 92 the company then sadly relocated everything to high wickham and we were you know we were made redundant but again that's a sign of the times of what we're almost and have gone through sort of in 2008 with the crash and the current the current crisis so it's something that whilst it's not brilliant then it is something that i'm aware of and how to how to overcome and to obviously explain to people really what you need to do and then sort of after that went back into sort of credit control then went back into sort of commercial debt recovery uh worked previously for a company probably about 18 years and then decided you know, we may as well set up on our own. So we did, and Expert Collections was formed in Jan 16 with myself and Richard. There's now five of us, uh, two or three people that work self-employed on the road, sort of promoting our services in their sort of financial packages that they sell as well. So we've got, a, you know, an active, if you like, sales force, but because it's something that they add on to existing products, we've not got you know, the massive outlay of, you know, 50, 60 grand in a car, where you can say, look, you bring it in, everyone's happy, the client, and they get, you know, they get their cut of the cake. So it uh, it works well, but it, it can be, you know, difficult. And as I say, you know, starting off as we were, and then sort of you get bigger and word gets out. And obviously, you know, did quite a lot of networking in the beginning, because I think that for people to understand who you are and what you do, it's not simply... You know, if I'm stood in a pub and go, well, what do you do, mate? Oh, commercial debt collector. They're like, bang, pint down, gone. It's just it's just a killer, it's a killer conversation stopper. Whereas we sort of try and sort of, you know, educate people that it's not, it's not Vinnie Jones, lock, stock and two smoking barrels in the baseball bat, not in this day and age, because everyone is covered, you know, by legislation, including us. So we've got to have a situation where you know we've got to deal with it correctly we've got to be you know wherever possible sympathetic to the debtor's needs however at the end of the day the main the main focus is the client's money so if we think that you know shall we say the debtors are you know stringing it along a bit or playing the game then we've got to say to the clients look it's time to make a decision this is potentially what may or may not happen mm. there's no golden ticket but you've just got to try and educate the client and then going forward say to them, well, when you had that problem six months ago, it's because you hadn't done this, this or this. Therefore, we sort of try and educate them, 
you know, back in the steps of their own credit control to say, look, if you've got an active credit control procedure and you keep to it and you give somebody a deadline and you stick to it and you've got a third party you can use, the progression is one, two, three, move it out. It's a lot more powerful than kept, you know, keep saying to people, yeah, I'll ring, you know, I'll keep ringing them and they'll keep saying they're going to pay. It's like, what's the point? Give somebody a deadline and stick to it. It's far more powerful. They might get a bit uppity about it, but at the end of the day, it's your money, your business. If you can't pay your wages, you can't get that new piece of kit or, you know, the toys you want to buy for the business or whatever, it's because people aren't paying you. Then how is that right? Mm. You've just got to be really, you know, firm, diplomatic and stick to a procedure that we can then, you know, jump on the back of as sort of the stepping stone from them to us and move it out and just deal with it that way. Yeah, that's it. Because once you've got a process, it takes it away from that personal thing. It's almost the it's the computer says no type sort of situation. It's like, well, well, exactly. I mean, this you know, is how it works. So you can... say, you know, we've had clients that say, well, you know, well, what shall I say if they get up to say, well, you know, tell them it's your accountant. You know, your cash flow is not right. Your accountants ask you to do it. But as you say, they're then sort of stepping back a bit and saying, it's not, I can't help you anymore because I've tried. Our credit control procedure is now expired. You must speak to the third party agency, which, mm. you know, can cause of a bit of a stink. But we tend to find that the people that have got the money that are playing the game, probably within sort of 28 days of us getting involved, have paid it. Genuinely, there might be some people that say, look, you know, current climate included, hard times, can we sort something out? everyone's amenable to that if the client's happy to accept that and it's obviously quicker and cheaper than court action long term but you always get the ones that say no nah, not paying whatever do what you want then you've got no option but to you know take the next stage which which costs them more in the long run but that's their choice of how they want to run the business unfortunately so tapping into the, the current climate as you allude to um i want to explore um how things might be different right now or maybe how people should be um mm -hmm. taking action or perceiving things but first i'm interested because um you're somebody i i know that's uh, that's actually caught the virus and, and had it quite, <laughs> quite well i know a few people have sort of potentially had it or not had it yeah. but you've actually been in well, tell us about what, what 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 happened with you what's uh, uh yeah as i said they all been there done it for like, the covid t-shirt yes yeah, so i've end of end of march sort of started with the stupid cough that everybody was on about and you know, it'll affect your breathing. And I'm thinking that's oh, only a bit of a cough, it'll go. So got to a point where sort of end of March, did the old 111 call and it was like, well, you know, if oxygen levels will be low, you know, you might be short of breath. And obviously if it was quite, you know, my wife were quite happy about the fact that I were having to slow down talking and she could get a word in edgeways to be fair. <laughs> but towards the end of March, first weekend of April, sort of, it got really to a point where as if I were just sort of talking normally, it literally would just sort of take my breath. So rang the old uh, 999 in, sort of all, you know, masked up and everything. And it was like, right, check your oxygen level. No, nope, you're coming with us, hospital. I'm thinking, oh God, here we go, ventilator. That's what I wanted to try and avoid. But they put me on oxygen straight away over to BRI and then in into sort of the COVID ward, which was mm, scary, probably. Yeah, if it's the right word to use because... You see everything on television about masks and, you know, all the PPE and people just like a pair of eyes talking to you. You can't see any arms, face, anything apart from the eyes. And it's like, 
Could it be that bad? It was. It was literally like you're in a like you're in a film, really, and you're almost like watching a film about some sort of disaster and going, oh, this is quite interesting. But then the first time they come and see you, you know, you're in your ward and they come in and like, you know, behind the moment, <laughs> pardon, I can't hear you. It's really, you've got a lot of, you know, detail to mm -hmm. take in because where they're trying to explain all the situation and uh, sort of, so this was on the Saturday. So Sunday morning I had a CT scan, which is sort of confirmed I'd had COVID. They could tell by the um, scouring on the lungs. So they said, right, we'll keep you on oxygen sort of, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we'll give you a COVID test Monday night. And then if you're clear of it, you've definitely had it. That's why you're on oxygen. And I'm thinking, I'll be right this, but you know, no, no food, no nothing for 24 hours. It was like, we just need to get everything right. So it was a case of having to sort of take on board what they were saying. The problem then is sort of trying to liaise with my missus at home, who's like not able to come and see me and panicking and thinking, shall I cash the life insurance in or shall I wait another day? But the whole, the whole thing of it is it's from both ends because time goes backwards when you're in there because you physically, you can't walk about and do anything. You're just literally in bed, hooked up to oxygen. The hours are going backwards and you know every two or three hours they're giving you a drip or they're doing this or they're doing the other. And then, you know, family members at home are just sat waiting for a phone call, which, you know, sadly for everybody, I was, I was one of the lucky ones. It's not, you know, it's not something that everybody was fortunate enough to get a phone call to say, right, I'm on my way home. But that's just, I think that's just how it was. I probably, I think probably when I went in with it, I was probably towards the back end of the process. I think if it had gone in a week before, it may well have been a different kettle of fish with ventilators and everything like that but I think it, it got to a point where I'd, if I was honest I sort of put it off myself and thought I'd be right it'll, it'll pass I'm just not prepared to go in but you know sadly it all caught up and it needed doing so uh, yeah and then sort of first couple of weeks home they sort of said well you will you will notice that your lung capacity is a bit different as well you've told me it's gone it's, yeah but your lungs will take you know three to six months to get back to something like normal so first couple of days at home, walking upstairs, just even going to bed were a, a big, a big ask. It were like, my God, I feel like I've walked up North Face at Iger, literally, you know, really out of breath, like I'd done a lot of exercise, just walking upstairs. And it sort of got gradually, you know, better and better. But yeah, first couple of weeks were terrible. I just felt like I'd been run over by a bus, to be honest with you. Wow. And and are there still after effects now? Are you still feeling the? the uh, well, I said, I'm still. Or? I can sort of you know get a bit sort of because now at least I've sort of done the old self isolation and you know can get back into the office environment. I mean, even sort of taking you know take the dog out for a walk, it's you know it can still be a bit you know a bit breathy, shall we say? But it's not nowhere near as like it was. But it will take time, so you've just got to be really careful that you know, you manage it correctly, but just because with it being like um, sort of a big pneumonia thing, that's that's what the, you know, the lung problem is. It just literally shuts everything down if it gets too far. So you've obviously then got your lungs just need time to recover. And so I'm in that sort of recovery process now of probably, well, beginning of July, it'll be sort of three months. So yeah, probably, you know, a fair way to getting back to like something like, but it's not just simply, here today, gone tomorrow, there is sort of 
effects that you need to overcome and deal with sort of going forward. So I've still got to be relatively careful. I don't think I'll be doing London Marathon next year, put it that way. Not, Not that anyone might be, to be fair, but, <laughs> exactly. you know, might be able to do a Mars and a Snickers, but not a marathon, I'm afraid. Those of a younger audience. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, exactly. We'll have to look that one up there. Yeah. Um, uh, has, has there been anything which has changed your outlook on life or, your, or how you run uh, how you run your business or anything? Is there any sort of change in perception of anything because of what? Uh, well, I mean, since that happened, I mean, a massive sort of situation for me was almost like, well, you know, what you've got, you know, be grateful for it because you, you do sit and think a lot of bullshit it does go through your head when you're sat in there thinking well what if i don't get out and what if this and what's going to happen with the family and you know you just think what a grandkid's going to say and it's all like it does make me now sort of realize that i'm you know grateful for what i've got and to not you know procrastinate about stuff get on with it and deal with it and almost you know you, you pull that back into your business because i mean we're in a slightly different environment to most that from a business point of view yes the hard part of it now is people physically having the money and paying but the issue with that is that we've also got to say well it needs resolving and dealing with because if not it's just gonna you know be worse and worse and worse so it does it does make me believe that on a day-to-day -day basis we just get on and deal with it straight away because if not, you know, you're just forever, forever thinking, wondering what if, and mm. no time for that. I'm, I'm a very big believer in when your time's up, your time's up anyway. I mean, I can't dictate if it's going to be today, tomorrow, 10 weeks, 10 years, 30 years. But it does, when you get to that sort of environment where you know that people are dying daily from what you've got, it does make you think, Jesus, I do need to sort of, you know, just get on and, and deal with it. So it's it sort of changed slightly the way I look at things. The drive for the business has always been the same anyway, because when you work for yourself, you know, if you do it and your team do it, you're fine. But if not, and you're not there to, you know, G up the team, then, you know, it's you or nobody really. So that doesn't really change. But it does sort of, you know, I'm a lot more thankful for what I've got, shall we say. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine you'd been particularly high on the procrastination level. Certainly not when it came to your your, your day job, anyway. But yeah, uh, interesting that it just sort of um, makes it even more not urgent. That's not the word, is it? But in, 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 um, it's important to to get yeah. things moving. But uh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and um, and moving into that sort of side of things, what? Um, with with the current environment with some certain changes in legislation with the question mark about how much money there's around with uh, is it a different environment now than it was say five months ago or and is there anything that people should be doing now that uh, they may not have been doing in the past yeah i'd say that the environment has massively changed for obviously major reasons the fact that you know any sort of leisure industry you know, had all the shops that have been closed that are still shut. I mean, you know, they've got all sorts of problems to deal with. There is, you know, there's been government money, which has been, you know, pretty good for most people that, you know, there's very few people that have sort of fallen through the net, shall we say. There's been sort of some sort of cover, you know, for people, sort of the 
interruption rate reduction and then obviously the bounce back loan scenario which again is a really good you know didn't have to be offered but a lot of a lot of people now are sort of looking at right what have i got in my business what am i owed and what almost is the right thing to do next because everyone at the moment is really reluctant to start saying to people well you know you owe me this money sort of from march april time and sort of the the government bought a new legislation that you were not allowed to take sort of aggressive you know stat demand or winding up petition against a debt that's been proven that the company has been in difficulty due to covid so you know anything sort of march april you probably be in a position where yes the money's owed but we know you haven't been open to pay it but anything sort of you know October, November, December from last year, oh, well, this COVID, well, sorry, there wasn't last year, therefore that's not a valid excuse. But you've just got to overcome these objections. So I would say that it's going to be a lot harder for the next six months for businesses because you've got to manage your own cash flow. You've also then got to try and, you know, for some people, reopen the business and start again because if they've been closed for sort of three or four months, you know, they literally are starting again from scratch and they've got to then almost build up trust and get back into contact with people that may not even be trading. You know, you've got to consider that some of their big customers might not be open. So the knock-on effect would be, you know, catastrophic. But again, it's just trying to, you know, small steps to start the ball rolling and, you know, construction started up. But, you know, if anyone knows where there's any plastering leaves, let me know because... I'll buy it all and sell it at a thousand pound a bag because it's just there's none there's none about anywhere, and that again is another another problem that business are having to overcome. That shall we say you know unscrupulous suppliers are you know supply and demand, so the price goes up. So everything every come you know everything becomes harder even from you know getting the bits in, and then you've got to think that you know people that are doing I don't know let's say you know kitchens bathrooms. Are people going to spend that kind of money if they're unsure about their own jobs? So there's all sorts of parameters to take into account because, you know, the next three to four months, it's going to potentially get worse before it gets better. I mean, you know, people that are furloughed, the government are paying them okay. That's allowing the business to obviously keep going. But I firmly believe that the minute furlough stops, physically, if companies haven't got any work coming in, they can't pay staff. And it might be that the inevitable thing is, well, it's not ideal, it's not brilliant, but they've got the perfect storm with COVID to say, well, sorry, it's it's not it's not us, it's COVID that's killed it. Therefore, we're going to have to let people go. But then where do those people go? Because everyone's going to be in the same boat. Mm. So it's, it's all about making sure that you have systems in place for your cash flow, whatever money you've got, you know, use it correctly, use it wisely and, you know, try and develop and grow the business, you know, going forward. It's going to be a slow, a slow process. It's not going to be, you know, no one's going to be rocking again by August to go, oh, well, Corona, what? I've forgotten. You know, it's going to be on and on. And there's still the option that, you know, touch wood, he says, I mean, I did once, I don't want it again. But you just don't know because, you know, comes relaxation, comes more problems potentially, you know, more you know, opportunity that the virus might come back, hopefully not, but it's, you know, you can't dismiss it, it's there and it just needs mm. resolving. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the, the, the key things I sort of heard there or thought of when you were saying there is one, as you say, 
always you've got to track your numbers you've got to look at what money is coming in or how you use it really sensibly and anybody that's not um got a handle on their uh, on their cash flow and their figures really need to be thinking about that now because it's uh, absolutely critical at this stage yeah definitely. Um, but the uh, the other element there seems to be um uh, building good, well, for my, for my this, to, to go forward, you could be having really good relationships with your suppliers and your customers and high level yeah. of communication yeah. because it's, it's either, you've either got to go down an antagonistic route, which is quite short term, or a collaborative route where you can actually work together going forward. That's, um, yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, if somebody, you know, somebody owes you 10 or 20 grand, you know, pre COVID, they might have said, well, I'll pay you half an hour and half in a month, which might have been fine. Whereas now they might be turning around to and saying, it's a grand it's a grand a month, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you've just then got to look at your money coming in and your supplies. And as you say, you've got to be, you know, speak, you know, you've got to speak to people. If you just literally sat in the corner thinking, this is not going to apply to my business. It's not going to be applicable to me. As a person running a business, you really need to open your eyes because every business is in potential you know a nightmare scenario one one wrong thing and it could all be gone and it might not even be our fault so you've just got to make sure that you maintain communications two ways with your suppliers with people that owe you money and be strong and ask the question say look you know i can't give you 20 grand with a kit i need some money from you before i can even order it at least you're helping your cash flow because yeah, there'll always be somebody that will supply, but they're the ones that in six months' time won't be around. And, you know, if you've got a reputable business that's been around 15, 20 years, maybe, the last thing you want to do is, you know, have it all thrown down the drain. But, again, it's, you know, going back to that, oh, should I, shouldn't I? Oh, don't ring him. I've, I've known him for years. But if somebody had me, you know, none of my mates owe me 20 grand. And the amount of people we speak to, on first sort of contact with expert collections as well. Well, probably it's really a mate of mine. I'm like, well, point number one, he isn't. Because if you were your mate, he'd have paid you. <laughs> point number two, he's not a good customer because again, he'd have paid you on time. So you've just almost got to stand back and put yourself in the position of someone else looking at your business and say, what would they say? Because I'd come in and go, what the hell are you doing with that? And why have you not dealt with that? And, He's paying you 50 quid a month against the debt of a thousand quid, but you're supplying him 300 quid a month. How's that going to work? The debt is going to increase and increase. At least if you've got a payment on account, make sure it's more than the actually supplying him. Because, you know, if you're going to still supply him on credit, you've got to at least be maintaining, you know, say, right, you can have 500 quid a month, but I need a thousand quid a month off you. And at that point, it'll then start eating into the debt. Because if not, you end up at month one, Owing you five grand, then at month twelve they owe you twelve grand, and they oh sorry, I'm going bust now. But they still had the benefit of you supplying them. Mm. So it really is, you know, the strong businesses, strong systems, procedures, people that have got, you know, plans, action plans, you know, the whole, you know, nine yard kit and caboodle. They're the ones that will survive. The ones that are literally. Oh shit! What do I do? Uh, oh, shall I ring? And oh well, as that money come in, they're not going to be around because they're going to be in a position where, through no fault of their own, apart from the fact that they've taken the eye off the ball, which clearly is a massive, you know, their own problem, but they'll just see it as well. It's not my fault. It's COVID. But if mm -hmm. you're running a business and you don't know what your money, what your money is that's coming in, what's going out, when it needs to be there, 
when you've got shed loads of money outstanding, there's only one person. You look in the mirror, there's your answer. That's your problem. Mm. Nobody else, because you have either done or not done something within your business that's caused, you know, either a fallout with a major supplier or something that owes you a load of money, you're scared to you're scared to ring them. Mm. You've got to get on and, you know, man up and deal with it, really. Absolutely. And um, are there people out there that are just using it as an excuse not to pay when actually they could? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like I say, we sort of over the last sort of, you know, couple of months, we've had people that are sort of saying, look, I know I owe the money. Sorry, I'll pay it. Or, yes, I owe the money because of COVID. Obviously, can we have some time to pay, which obviously is going to be quicker than the court system. Um, or there are other people saying, you know, we're in a pandemic, we're not paying anybody. Then the client has to make a decision based on that. And again, if it's right in the middle of, you know, when, as we went back to earlier on, if it's sort of March and April when the invoices are due, you've got you've got a real big decision to make because technically, yes, they are closed, but they can't then just turn around to you and say, well, it only applies to me that I don't have to pay anybody, but everyone else is expected to pay. You know, everyone's in the same boat. You know, if you owed or I owed you or whatever, we all we've all got our own bills to pay. So everybody needs you've just got to keep the cash flowing. That's it. That's what it's about. And mm. You've just got to make sure that you're brave enough to take on what's thrown at you and use use the court if need be as a last resort. But you know, there there are people out there that have just sort of said, Well, I'll wait and wait and I'll drag it out because no one's gonna, you know, the old twenty year relationship's not on the line for ten grand, but if somebody comes in and you know is more aggressive in collecting the debt than you are, and the money does run out, which you know, you know, another problem we we touched on earlier, the bounce back loans, great incentive by you know the government and the banks. But the problem is, whilst it's potentially the cheapest money you'll ever have, you know, eighteen months down the line, how many more businesses are going to be in a situation because of, you know, there's no personal guarantees with it. So literally, you know, you can be here today, gone tomorrow, and you then open yourself up to an investigation if you've obviously, you know, shall we say, used it inappropriately. I'm sure that the banks will have something in place, as would the government. You know, they're not going to say, well, where's your bounce back loan? Now, I put it on Red 7 in Monaco, and I'm afraid it didn't come in. <laughs> so I can't, I can't pay the money back. It's just not going to... You know, it's not going to work. It's got to be that the bounce back loans are for, you know, growth in your business. We know that people potentially have, you know, used them to pay a few short-term bills. But again, unfortunately, you know, there will be people out there that, you know, will use it wrongly. So you've also got to consider, you know, when that when that is recalled and people start paying it again, you know, that will potentially cause issues as well, mm. 18 months away. Because it's, it's a very tricky line to tread because on one hand, you say you kind of want to all work together and collaborate and make sure that if you get some money and pay me and I'll pay my suppliers and we can get that money cycle flowing through everybody. And if we all work together, we can do that. But then on the flip side, it's the whole he who shouts loudest gets paid first, mm -hmm. which... Yep. It, it it's always the case, you know, they who shout loudest are the ones that are going to cause the most damage to the business mm. will be the ones that get paid because if somebody has got, you know, £100,000 outstanding and they've got a bounce back loan of 50 grand and they think, right, okay, we'll run this, we'll use the bounce back money 
to pay off the creditors. Once that 50 grand's gone, if you ain't being paid, you ain't getting anything. And then they've got the problem of paying that debt back. So not only have you not been paid, but the people that owe you the money have just got an extra 50,000 pound debt on their books that they've then got to incorporate into paying 18 mm. months down the line. So, you know, I would, I would say wholeheartedly that, you know, if you're right and straight with people, give them a deadline, stick to it, and then you can only do what you believe is right for your business. It'd be right for some, not right for others, but you must understand that the minute you start coming into work in the morning and saying, well, hang on a minute, we haven't got enough money to pay the wages, yet you've got 100 grand outstanding. It's got to be sorted out. Because mm. if not, you'll find out that by sitting on the fence, you're the one that's going bust. And they then are thinking, oh, well, they've gone bust. I don't necessarily need to pay them. The liquidator may well you know, have a different view on that, as I'm sure you're well aware of, that you know, in, in past guises, people think the company's gone into liquidation. I owe it money. You don't have to pay. Sorry, you do, because they recover money for the benefit of everybody. And, you know, you've got to, you've got to consider that you need to be in control of your own destiny. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and there's, the, there's definitely no personal relationships that a liquidator needs to worry about. That's just a case no. of you're the money, go for it. Yeah, that's um, it. The facts are it, so it needs to be there, um, so it ends up being a different game when you're, you're dealing with uh, an insolvency practitioner, that's for sure. Um, so, so, if, um, so what would be your key um, words of advice for someone in business um, over the next few weeks and months in terms of cash flow? I would certainly say that obviously we're coming, well, another week or at the end of June, a lot of businesses potentially might have been back now, you know, getting into three to four weeks. I think that you know, from the beginning of July, you need to assess what you've got outstanding and how far back it goes. Anything pre-2020 that is still outstanding, just get on with it straight away. If you haven't got, you know, any way to take that forward, then, you know, the companies out there like us that are, you know, happy to help. But you must look at the pre-COVID stuff because, it, you know, whatever people say, in December, everyone's business was trading as normal. So, you know, an October invoice should have been paid by the end of November, end of December, end of January, end of four months, end of February, before really the doodah hit the fan. You know, at that point then, you know, you've really got to say, right, have we got all this money outstanding? Is it really COVID related? No, then do something about it. That's the first thing. Once you get into sort of the February invoice of due end of March, March invoice of due end of April, yeah, you're right in the middle of it. So yes, you need to be more careful with it, but don't just sit on the back of it and say, well, well, they've told me they've been shut for seven weeks, 12 weeks because of COVID. You might have been shut for 12 weeks as well. You have to take on board the money that's outstanding. You know what your expenses are going forward as a business. You potentially know that furlough is going to stop. You've then got to build back in the money that you know you're having paid for wages, etc., and you've got to make that decision that right, do we go in and say right, you know anything pre 2020, we just want we want sorting, we need to take third party action or whatever, anything thereafter, you must start dealing with it because there'll be too many people come October November going well, you know well you know well, I, I know COVID I'm like yeah but you know this, this is like you know six months ago. 
you've been trading again. You've had money coming in. You've had money from the government. You know, you've just got to not sit there wondering about everyone else. Consider your own business. And if necessary, you go home to your husband, wife, partner or whatever and say, sorry, we're having to close end of June, end of July because we physically haven't got any money. Do you really want that? Because other people are just sat going, well, I'll wait till it rings me to pay me or I'll just waffle on a bit more. You're the one that's going to have to sit down and tell the kids. I mean, you know, holidays I know are probably out the window this year, but are you going to sit down with your kids and go, well, sorry, Disneyland's off next year. You know, the house is going, this, that and the other, because you've just sat on the fence and not dealt with it. It's just vitally important that you do something and take into account that your business, your money, deal with it, but deal with it in a sympathetic, you know, a sympathetic manner if you're falling into the COVID period. Because mm. everyone's everyone's the same, but anything pre-COVID, mm. but you know, as far as I'm concerned, it should be paid. So, you know, start and, and, with that. and and with any new sales in the <coughs> current environment, would you be renegotiating terms on everything and, and, and being really clear about what the payment plans are or just as yeah i would i would definitely i mean you know again we sort of in sort of construction as an industry to use you know you know you could have a one or two man band going into a subcontract agreement with a main contractor and it might be a fifty thousand pound job and they go oh i'm working with you know company xyz oh they're a blue chip company yeah but the problem is the people that owe them the money are the worst payers in the world and your 50 grand contract, you might see 10 of it because they'll mess you about that much that you can't then physically keep working for nothing. Mm. So stage payments, you know, again, as you say, get to a point where these are my terms and this is what's going to happen if not. Because if you've got something that's um and ahhing about, well, my terms are 30 days and by day 60, if you haven't paid as part of the contract, we're coming off site and I'm not going to be lost at loss because I've come off site because you've not paid me, sign here. They either agree to it or they don't. And if they don't, they just move on to some other company that's not as well organized that they can just turn around and you know delay, 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 make them almost force them off site because they can't send the lads in. And then they say, well, we've now incurred losses because we're three weeks behind. Mm. And the big PLC is always gonna batter you know, the small subcontractor. Mm. So, you know, reiterate your terms. You know, if you've, if you've got people on 60 or 90 day terms, you know, start bringing them in just to get your money. You know, if you, you know, if you, if your customers are on 60 days, they'll pay you on 90. So we all know that 30 day accounts, if they're paid by day 90, probably everyone thinks that's okay, but it's not because, you know, day 31, they're overdue. So if you could even bring that back in one month and your sales in a month, let's say you sell a half a million quid a month and you bring your cash flow back one month, that's an extra half a million quid in your business. Mm. So little steps like that, you know, look at your day's sales outstanding and things like that and just sort of bring it back in. You know, if you have these terms of 120 days and you're on 30 days, you know, you just need to be saying to people, look, we're not here just to be walked all over. These are our terms. You're not even paying, you know, you're not even paying on 90 days. Mm. So again, you know, and then if somebody has paid you and they still want to work with you and, you know, they were late in paying, you say, look, we'll supply you, but I'm only going to keep you on this kind of credit limit to manage it. You know, you, 
you sort of control the position rather than you know a tail wagging dog scenario mm. if they know where they are with it and they can only use your product you say, look, I'm happy to supply you £10,000 a month, but when you've had ten grand a month, you're not getting any more until you've paid me. We've got a decision to make, haven't we? Yeah, and, and when, when you've got that sort of leverage, it's a lot easier uh, as opposed to when you've got more of a commodity type thing where people can just go anywhere. But, um, but it, there's that mental uh, thought that it's better to get any job rather than no job, but actually mm -hmm. that's a... Uh, a, a misnomer isn't it because if you get any job and then they don't pay you not only have you not got the cash you've paid out so i mean you know to get these oh, i'm working for blue chip companies you know we won't name some i mean there's probably a list as long as my arm but the problem is you may as well do a small job at a thousand quid and get paid than do a big job at 10 grand and not get paid yeah because you spend a hell of a lot more time doing the work the company that you've been subcontracted to just literally change him like you know changing socks well he's gone i need another plaster or i need another decorator somebody comes in oh i'm working for so and so so and so plc and it's like yeah but don't mean jack simple <laughs> as yeah. your terms are your terms if people don't like your terms don't yeah. trade with them just because they're a blue chip company aston martin will not let me have a car at 10 pound a week because that suits me i've got to pay 160 grand for it and I've been in three times, and I'm a nice bloke. I've told them I've had COVID. They still don't <laughs> want to offer it me at ten grand a week, ten pound a week. But that's all right. That might be a bit of a stupid analogy, but it's the same thing. I want something, but I don't want to pay for it on their terms. I want to pay it to suit me. Well, it doesn't work like that. And, and it's much better to have that discussion slash argument up front mm. and agree something uh, rather than think you've agreed something yeah. and then. Three months down the line, I would have that argument. Whatever you agree, get it in writing. Not just on an email, get it in writing as well, because emails are fine, but you know, district judges may or may not say that they're admissible in court. If somebody wants to deal with you badly enough and they supply order numbers, don't send a piece of kit out on Monday morning because they've rung you at five five to five on Friday and said, I need that forty foot boom on Monday morning for this job I'm doing. I'll give you an order number on Monday. Then they never give you the order number, but you've gone out because it's a five grand a month piece of kit. And then three months down the line, no order number, can't pay it, and they just throw it out of their system. And you sat going, well, I know damn well you rang me. We'll get the order number then. You've almost got to say, if you want my product, and you say that you can't have any goods supplied to you without an order number, then I'm not supplying it until you give me an order number. So mm -hmm. if you've now got to go and run around and spend an hour getting me an order number, or you ring me back on Monday with it. It's as simple as that. Because they're always want, 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 take, take, take on their own term. And then when they come back and say, well, no, these are our signed terms and agreement, and you've let a piece of kit go out, not following their guidelines, morally, it's wrong, but they're just there, these are our terms. And some of these big companies that have accounting businesses outside of the UK, it's just literally, on your desk, not right, off, move on. And they just they just leave it. Nothing mm -hmm. happens. So, you know, if you're setting out your terms and they then have terms with you, like, you know, we want order numbers on everything or we need to, you know, an electrician, put another 20 sockets in upstairs in this big, you know, office block you're doing, that's fine. Here's the quote for the extra 20 sockets over and above what I'm doing. Can you confirm it and sign it and send me that back, please?
Because otherwise, the girl will purchase order said you were doing sockets. Yeah, but I've done an extra 20. Your purchase order said that. And what paperwork have you got? Well, you rang me on Friday at three o'clock. Don't you remember? I spoke to Billy or whatever. And it's like, no, we didn't. But you can't then go in and take them out. It's being brave enough and strong enough to stand up to these people and say, hang on a minute. If you want me here, it's because I do a good job. Therefore, these are my terms. And if not, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And it might take umbrage, but at least then you're not doing a load of work you're not going to get paid for. Yeah. So, in summary, you've got to write. So, um, get really close to the numbers. If you can't stand numbers, speak to your accountant or your bookkeeper because you need to understand them. Pull in any cash pre COVID because there's no excuse. Yeah. Um, make sure your systems and processes are in place going forward and uh, be effectively work to rule with agreements from, for any future sales and say, this yeah. is how it works, get everything in writing, yeah. make sure that all the ducks in a row before you commit to any kind of expense or anything because you're That's just putting yourself at risk. Um, but all of that can be done in a professional and courteous manner. It doesn't have to be done. No, no, no. Um, it's just common business sense at the end of the day. There are a lot of people that might actually, in the current climate, see you know where people are coming from because they might think oh i could use that in my business i mean you're not, you're not being unreasonable no. you're saying look if you want me to work with you that's fine but these are my terms and if you don't hey mate this is what's gonna happen yeah as i always say if you walk into a supermarket you expect to pay at the till exactly. <laughs> you don't walk out and say i'll send you a check in the exactly, yeah. i get i get paid next week so i'll, I'll let you, you know, <laughs> you're not getting out with your shopping that's another classic analogy you know i use that and the car one all the time because yeah. You can almost see that people go, they might, um, you know, off and puff. But I say, well, you've done no different. You know, if my client has supplied you with a load of steel, you've had it delivered, you've walked out of their shop, you've gone, it's not much, and you've not paid for it. If you were going into a steel supermarket with a trolley, what have you done? You've walked out, you've nicked it. And it's, it's no real difference. And that, you know, might be a bit over exaggerate a bit in my opinion if you haven't paid for something and you've had it and you've had the benefit of it you stole it mm. simple as and you've just got to you've just got to be really really you know if needs be be hard-nosed about it but you're right you know have a procedure stick to it get rid of all the pre-covid stuff and then work with people how you want it to work going forward for your particular industry things will be different for different industries but don't you know, don't put off the inevitable and just, as we said earlier on, don't be the one having to go home and say, it's all done, sorry, we're, we're closing up. Mm. Because that doesn't help anybody. And on that cheery note, <laughs> <laughs> um, if people need to get in touch with you, Gary, where do they, uh, where do they look? Uh, yeah, uh, you can visit www.expertcollections.co.uk or um, my mobile number 07859 treble eight two zero four and an email address is gary at expertcollections.co.uk for any help or guidance or advice brilliant thank you very much and yeah it's it's we always get uncomfortable around money anyway it's a social issue uh, but actually if you just take it back to a system and a process you can step away from the personal element and just say this is the process that i run it's not my fault um, uh, and pass it on, yeah. Um, yep, and definitely. 
uh, and that's that's the way a business runs smoothly when you've got a system that runs it's the people that mess it up <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. like, you know if you've got like you say, if you've got a system in place you take out all the personality of you know i'm not picking on you i do this this is across the board so deal with it yeah simple as yeah brilliant excellent thank you very much gary i uh, hope some people okay. got some uh, good tips on that and um i hope your recovery uh, gets back to full health again yeah so do i thank you very much indeed cheers gary cheers these podcasts are not necessarily here to give you all the answers i want you to think about what's been said what's come up and how you might apply that to your own situation and if you've enjoyed it then please subscribe to the podcast and of course share it on the social media platforms and so more people get a chance to hear what's going on. Thanks very much for listening. My name's Andrew Miller from Business Enjoyment, and I want you to enjoy your business so much it makes your bits tingle. <laughs>